This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, Value Investors. So I want to take a moment to clarify something I said in a recent Zach's Market Edge podcast. So not the Value Investor, but my other podcast I do every week, the Market Edge, because it's been bothering me since I um, realized that I made this mistake. So I talked about finding lottery stocks in that podcast, which is very relevant to value investors as well, because that's what we try to do. We're long-term investors, so lottery stocks are our main bread and butter, right? That's what we want. Um, So in that podcast, I talk about how to find them. And I talked about Costco and Estee Lauder. And I only had that Costco and Estee Lauder were up like a thousand percent since they went public. But Costco went public in 1986. And I knew that couldn't be right after I recorded that podcast. And sure enough, um, it was really up over 4,900 percent since it went public. And Estee Lauder was up 3,200% or more since it went public a decade later in 1996. Now, both of those are still incredible numbers. I think I was looking at only the 20-year returns, which is how I got like 1,200% or whatever for both of those companies, which isn't bad either, right? I'll take 1,200. But these are incredible numbers from 1986 and 1996. And just for comparison, the NASDAQ was up 1,200% since 1996, and the S&P was up 632% since then. And uh, for further comparison, Amazon went public in 1997. If you had held on to that one, it's up 208,735%. So, but no one else is Amazon, maybe Netflix, who went public in the next decade. Those two are the big unicorns. So it's great if you bought either of those and you held on all those years, but there've been plenty of other winners, which is the whole point of how to find lottery stocks. There's um, not a lot of them, but there's more than just Amazon and Netflix. And in that podcast, we talk about how it's about 6% of all stocks are these kind of lottery stocks type things which is why it is difficult to find one and buy it and hold it all that time. But now let's turn to Berkshire Hathaway and what the topic of this podcast is, which is the 13F disclosures. And we talk about this every quarter for Berkshire Hathaway because we do want to know what Warren Buffett is doing, right, as value investors. It's it's exciting and interesting to see what he's buying and or selling, right? So remember, the 13F disclosures are what hedge funds and money managers have to file 45 days after the quarter. And these are only the big guys. You've got to have, you know, 100 million or more under management. And this is the way we get to see what they're buying and selling. But we don't really know when they bought or sold within that quarter, just that they did these trades sometime within the quarter. So um, we often take a look again at Berkshire Hathaway because uh, we do want to know what Buffett is doing. Many of you follow along with what Buffett is buying and selling, even though I'm not a big believer in doing that, but I know many of you do. But Berkshire never tells us whether or not it's actually Buffett making the decisions or his lieutenants, Ted and Todd. And although occasionally he will state that it was not him. So when they bought Amazon, it was so controversial because it was not a value stock at the time. 
that he had to disclose, no, it wasn't me, it was them. And he believed it was a value at that at the price they bought it at. Uh, I don't believe they've added or sold or did anything with that Amazon position since they bought it, by the way. But let's take a look at the Q4 trades because I think it becomes uh, or it has become quite clear in the last couple of years, like who is doing what with the portfolio with some of these positions now. And um, we can kind of tell, and it is kind of obvious that it's not Buffett and that it is one of the lieutenants. So for instance, in the fourth quarter of 2021, the latest quarter that we just got, we see that Berkshire bought Activision, Activision Blizzard. ATBI is the ticker. They bought a, about a billion dollar position. Everybody's all excited, right? Except Microsoft is buying them out. But they didn't know that at the time when they bought in. Um, but they did see value there. But I think we can all agree this was not Warren Buffett who bought this position. I would be shocked if it was him because one, it's not that big of a position. And two, He's not really into the tech side, as we all know. Took forever for him to buy any tech. He bought IBM. It was, you know, a bust. He sold it. He did get into Apple. It, it turned out to be one of his best holdings ever. And so he's just kind of still in the Apple trade, right? But very little other tech um, directly. So this was definitely one of the lieutenants. Um, let's look at some of the sales for this quarter. So there were some interesting sales in Visa and MasterCard, ticker MA and V, and these are old positions. So MasterCard, uh, Berkshire bought in the first quarter of 2011, so 11 years ago, and Visa bought, uh, they bought Visa in the third quarter also of 2011. So they bought these kind of back to back. They were never like super huge positions in the portfolio, and now MasterCard, even with these sales, is just 0.5% or no, 0.4% now. And Visa is just 0.5%. They were never even a whole percent of the portfolio, even though the stocks have performed outstanding during the time period. So again, we don't really know exactly when they bought or exactly when they sold, just the quarters that they did this in. But I, I still looked at the chart and MasterCard from the first quarter of 2011 through the fourth quarter of 2021 was up about 1,300%, give or take, when you bought or sold in there. And Visa over the third quarter 2011 through the fourth quarter 2021 up 893%, give or take, in there. Both are great returns. So these sales seemingly seem to be, um, you know, just kind of cashing in some of these gains. They It has been a tremendous run, and whoever this was is thinking, eh, maybe we'll take a little bit off the table here. They're not rebalancing anything because it's not Apple at like a 40% position in the portfolio. Very small positions for the portfolio. They're not small for you and I, but they're small for the portfolio. And so no rebalancing here, just basically cashing in some of these gains, it looks like. Now, who do we think would have bought these? Well, we know it was not Ted Weschler. He joined Berkshire Hathaway in 2012. So both of these were already bought by then, so it wasn't Ted. Todd Combs did buy, uh, join in 2011. Um, not sure if he was there in the first quarter or not to buy MasterCard. But both of these seem to have Warren Buffett written all over them. He's owned them over a decade. He just kind of let them ride. They're both top in their industry. 
They were both cheap when he bought them, not so much now. So I feel kind of comfortable saying that this is probably Buffett um, doing this. And he did the original buys and he's controlling cashing in some of these gains. But let's look at uh, one of a couple of the other positions that seem a little bit more dubious that uh, just from their trading patterns probably aren't Warren Buffett. And the first one is Chevron, ticker CVX. So they added Chevron in the fourth quarter of 2020. That was well over a year ago. It was a $4 billion stake. It's kind of a big deal when suddenly Berkshire was buying into the oils. Why was that? Because in 2020, the oil stocks were terrible. They plunged down in the coronavirus. Then they rallied a bit in that summer, but then they plunged down again when we had another outbreak in the summer of 2020. Um, I know many of us block out these things now about the coronavirus, but uh, it wasn't that long ago. It's easy to block it out. But the stocks plunged and Chevron traded as low as $65 by October 2020. And the whole industry was plunging down. But then when the vaccine was announced, la la, you know, we, we can get back to normal. And all the energy stocks caught a bid and they've been basically catching that bid ever since with a few pullbacks here and there but they've been off to the races because the economy was going to reopen on the vaccine. So somewhere in that fourth quarter, they bought. We don't know if they bought at that $65 low, but somewhere in there. And that was a great buy. But then in the first quarter, Berkshire sold. They sold half their stake, $2 billion. So what was that about? Well, the shares did rally uh, feverishly there into that first quarter, after the horrible year the year before, you can't really blame them for taking half the gains off the table, right? 20, 30% gains suddenly. Sure, I'll take some of that, um, especially with what's happened with energy over the last 13 years. You had these fake out rallies, so they cashed in some. But then the shares continued to rally and they sold more in, in the second quarter. So they cashed in some more thinking, oh, this is all it's going to be. We might as well get some gains and we're done. But they weren't completely out of the position. Third quarter, they did nothing. But then we now know in fourth quarter 2021, they didn't sell, they bought again. So they they replenished the position basically. And now they're back to about $4.5 billion position. But the shares have doubled in that amount of time. And they're buying in at this higher price point as well. So they've got to have some conviction that things are still going to look up for 2022 for Chevron. That's why they wanted to get back in even at these more elevated levels. So they were not buying real cheap there in fourth quarter of 2021. But from these trades, I think we can pretty much conclude it was not Warren Buffett again. Why would he buy, sell just a quarter later? No, that's not his MO. His is buy and hold forever, right? The time to sell is never, is his phrase. So you're getting a dividend. He would have had conviction that, you know, uh, in his beliefs that this was still going to go higher. It was a good investment. Berkshire owns a lot of energy. Warren Buffett believes in energy. And so he would not have been doubting and buying and selling. So this were the lieutenants. Another one that I think we can figure out as well is AbbVie, ABBV. I've talked about this one in the past too because I was disgusted with what was going on with it too. So I know it's not Warren Buffett here. So they first bought AbbVie in the third quarter of 2020. 
So that was during the pandemic, remember? They bought almost a $2 billion position. abbey has been cheap for a long time. This made sense. Could make sense that Buffett himself bought it. It's trading under 10 times. It's uh, bought Allergan to replace the Humira uh, revenue that they're going to lose when that goes off patent in 2023. They pay a big dividend. So this seemed like a Buffett-type company. But then, um, so they bought some, they bought more in the fourth quarter of 2020. So they had over almost a $3 billion position in 2020. It was 1% of the portfolio, but then they started selling. They sold some in 2021, the first quarter. They sold in the second quarter. They sold in the third quarter. And now we know they've sold in the fourth quarter and they sold a big portion. Now they're down to just $410 $410 million position or 0.12% of the entire portfolio. It's almost nothing. I wouldn't be surprised if they sold out completely out of AbbVie by next by this quarter, first quarter 2022. So this kind of selling is similar to the Chevron, um, except they haven't added back in. And it makes you think, why would Buffett buy and start selling almost immediately? That makes no sense, given how cheap it is, the dividend, the story behind it. Um, I own AbbVie in my own personal portfolio. I own it in the Zacks Value Investor. We bought in 2019 in the Value Investor portfolio. And so it's still a, uh, still a value here. I like it over the next several years. So this is the lieutenants and not Buffett again on these ones. So that's why it's kind of dubious to try to follow Berkshire's trades now, right? Because it's not all Buffett. And um, that's nothing against Ted Weschler and Todd Combs, both of whom are excellent money managers as well. But if you're trying to just follow Buffett's lead, you really can't do that in the Berkshire portfolio anymore. Another interesting position that they added to you in the fourth quarter was RH. I own it in my own personal portfolio. They now own um, 8.5% of RH. And so they only added a little bit because they already had a big position in it. And I've said before, they really don't want to go over 10% ownership because once you go over 10 there's even more regulatory requirements and filings you have to make. And um, you're involved a little bit more once you're a 10% owner. So they're gonna try to stay under that at all costs. But the shares did weaken in the fourth quarter. They've weakened considerably. So, you know, why not buy a little bit more in there at the lower valuation if you still believe? Now they, um, on the whale wisdom, they have the average price they paid for RH, which they first started buying in the third quarter of 2019. Uh, They have the average price as uh, $206.75. We don't know for sure. This is just like guessing basically, but it's pretty low because they have bought several times on big sell-offs and that has pushed their average down on RH instead of up like on Chevron. So keep that in mind also with some of these. Um, There's also a couple of like Brazilian companies that they keep buying because they were in pre-IPO. We don't know if that's Buffett, but uh, he has bought foreign companies in the past or invested in them. So never say never that some of those might be Buffett, but I have a feeling they're more likely to be the lieutenants on on those. so keep that in mind when you're looking at those as well. 
Um, but these 13 Fs are still interesting to see what areas they're going into. They have not re-engaged with any of the airlines. I don't know if they're still on the, you know, do not invest list or uh, what's happening with the airlines, but we know Buffett sold all of those immediately when the coronavirus hit, took a loss, and hasn't looked back on those. And some of those were even in the lieutenant's portion of the portfolio, but he ordered them to sell all those. So those were all sold. So we no longer have the airlines and they're no longer in any of those. So um, it was an interesting quarter for Berkshire, uh, for sure, adding back in to the Chevron, um, still selling the AbbVie. And I was surprised to see some sales there in MasterCard and Visa and, and even buying in a little bit more of the RH, even though it did get cheap over that quarter. Um, so, so keep these things in mind. That's all I ask when you're looking at what Berkshire is doing with the portfolio. But I do think it's becoming a little more obvious now, like who is doing what on some of these positions and that they're not Warren Buffett. They are uh, one of the other two managers. And on a side note, we also uh, got a filing from Ted Weschler in his personal portfolio. So in October 2020, he disclosed a 5.9% stake in Dillard's. So he had to disclose it because he was over 5%. And uh, these are some regulatory issues, again, that you have to deal with. Buffett has kind of gotten like a, a waiver from the SEC on some of his over 5% investments because he knows everybody watches and copies him. So they allow him to delay the filings on some of his stuff. But um, Ted did not have that. And so he had to disclose in October 2020. But he sold almost all of it. He sold all but 1.1 million shares by the end of 2021. So the stake was worth $36 million um, when he went over the 5% threshold and had to disclose it. it. was trading around $34 a share. And it went as high as 417 or above 400 um, in November of 2021 because the apparel companies just soared. That is incredible. And so when he sold, he made quite a bit of money. Um, I saw in Business Insider, they were estimating anywhere between 58 million and 450 million was his profit on this trade. We don't know for sure when he bought or when he sold, so it all depends. But he made anywhere from a 60% return to 1,200% return, somewhere in there. But the shares are up 453% over the last two years. So if you got into some of these retailers at just the right time during the pandemic, when everybody was saying they were doomed, right? Um, then you won big. So Ted, uh, like I said about both lieutenants, they're excellent investors. This was yet another big uh, stake that he took. It's not even a tech stock, right? It's just the Dillard's, the, apartment, the department store guys. <laughs> So sometimes you have to look outside your areas where you think everything is hot to find the real bargains and the real deals. And he did, and he cashed most of it in. So that's also a lesson here. If you take a chance on one of these uh, down and out companies that 
you get the big winner in, sometimes it's best to just cash most of it in and move to the sidelines on these ones that um, have these kind of quick turnarounds that where this happens within just a year or two. So that's something to keep in mind. But that's a whole other podcast, right? When to sell. Um, we don't know always. That's a hard skill to learn as well. And we're seeing it because somebody got it wrong on Chevron and you know, no love lost. They made money every time they sold, but they had to buy in at a higher price point um, later on instead of just holding through that time period. But again, um, that's a tough skill, even for these great investors and professionals. So let me recap the tickers we talked about on today's show. So there was Activision, um, ATVI, but it's being bought out. So we're not really going to talk about it at all. And uh, there was Chevron, CVX, MasterCard, MA, Visa is V, ABV, ABBV, RH is just RH. Used to be Restoration Hardware, but they really do go by RH now, so it's just RH. And I own um, ABV and RH in my own personal portfolios, and I own ABV in Zach's value investor portfolio. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Make sure you're getting them, those Market Edge podcasts as well. If you want to find those lottery stocks and listen in on whatever else we're talking about over there on that podcast, both are every week. So you get uh, a lot of stock picks and discussion about stocks on both uh, podcasts. But be sure to subscribe somewhere. You can get both of them on SoundCloud. Search under the Zach's Market Edge podcast to get them on SoundCloud, but both episodes and podcasts are on um, Amazon Music, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, they're both standalone shows on all these other platforms, so get us somewhere, and I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.